urban farming, people can grow their own food. There is an uh, area-wise cluster where one is growing and that it suffice for that area. Uh, using these ornamental parks and, uh, you know, unused school buildings and everything to be able to grow your produces and also reuse your water. I think this is the future. This is the future of, uh, you know, sustainable food and uh, people connecting with food and, you know, reusing things that have, we are wasting. And we will be not left with any choice but to grow our own food. Because in, in cases of lockdown where we had this three to four months, I didn't have to go and buy vegetables anywhere. I was not worried. You lock me down for six months. I don't care because I have everything under my roof. You know, I have a home. I have my vegetables. I have everything. But you think these kind of issues are not going to increase. It is only going to increase the considering the amount of animal violence that we do. It is, it is going to come back to us. It is a karma that is going to hit us. So, and so that's why I say yes, urban farming is the future of agriculture. Namaste, hello, welcome to Prunership Diaries. I'm Shweta, your host for this show. Each week I interview either solo pruners or entrepreneurs or mom pruners or side pruners from varied fields and expertise. If starting a business is on your mind and you want to learn the nitty-gritties of running a business or you want to become a solo pruner, jump right in. Let's explore the intricacies of taking charge of your own business. Welcome to Prunership Diaries. Uh, today we have with us Anne Vinya Thomas. After working for 17 years in the aviation industry, Anne decided to set forth on a revolutionary path by becoming a small-scale urban farmer, where she started a company, Heaven on My Earth, which is home. She's an advocate of conscious living and eating. So welcome, Han, and I'm thoroughly excited to get started and learn about urban farming and also get a little bit closer to conscious living. So welcome, Han. Namaste, Shweta. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, talk to me. And uh, this is very thrilling. And congratulations on the great job that you're doing. And I wish you so much luck, love and light. Uh, I hope you prosper in this. And uh, yeah, and thank you. Thank you again. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anne. I mean, for those kind words. And then it's my pleasure to have you here. All right. So I, I'm just, you know, starting off by asking you, I mean, 17 years in the aviation industry. And I want to know what triggered you to, you know, make the change or the transition to farming, which is completely, completely different. I mean, it's like worlds apart, like aviation and farming. <laughs> uh, so I want to know, it did anything change or was there an experience which... Uh, help you to make this shift? See, I think I was flying too much and I needed to be grounded in spiritual terms. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so wonderfully said. So honestly, I can't think of one reason that led me to make this choice, but I like to believe that everything in and around my life uh, kind of uh, led me to this path. Uh, it's never one thing. Um, I truly believe that your circumstances in life, your past and your past experience, past life, everything kind of you know pushes you to take some conscious decision. And uh, I had been contemplating an entrepreneurship for some time before I decided to take the plunge. Um, like about a year or two, I was like contemplating maybe I was going to be uh, turning 40. So I thought, okay, it's, if I do it now, it's now, otherwise it's never. And uh, I have to give myself this chance. And yeah, once I made that decision, uh, you know, and, the, and I was done with my contemplation, 
during this two years where I was contemplating, I did a lot of research. It wasn't a, like, you know, yes, just jump in and, you know, you can do anything kind of a thing. And, uh, I did a lot of research and I was convinced that agriculture is the way to go. And, uh, you know, that's the one thing that can connect me to the nature and uh, uh, to be grounded and all that. So one fine day, 2017 April, I resigned my well-cushioned job uh, and the rest is history. So you can say there's a lot of spiritual element into it uh, that also guided me through this. And uh, when I was contemplating, I did my inner engineering too with Isha. The, the one thing that uh, struck the chord was uh, responsible living, you know, and I realized that uh, I love aviation, all right? I mean, I still given a chance. I still want to take that on the side and do it because I love airline industry. I've been grown in that. But irrespective, I wanted something to own, you know, something to uh, bring off the ground and with all these, uh, you know, meditation and everything that I went through kind of led me to here. So that's the maybe a short answer for you. <laughs> I know we all have that journey or uh, a certain experience that, uh, you know, we will want to make a change because something inside us has changed and we want to give it out to the world. And it's so beautiful that, you know, you took that step and uh, you're just doing something amazing. And I think conscious, conscious living is something that we all need to uh, probably adhere to and also try i mean of course right away <laughs> considering the pandemic i think uh, people will now rise up this pandemic only makes me think that i take a right decision you know uh, yes absolutely um so Anne, could you tell us more on the initial period i mean you did say that um, you know you were contemplating and you did a bit of research i mean could you tell us more about it as to how your journey was before you you know you actually took the step of yes i am going to become an urban uh, small scale farmer so what was the research that went into it and uh, were there any challenges which you came across or, or, or was it easy in, in some ways or was it was the market easy to learn uh, from? So what is it? How the mass industrial production of meat and dairy causes these uh, diseases and damage our bodies, uh, the way the system is built and managed, commercialized, right? The lack of concern for health and well-being of the animals and that translates to consumption of our unhealthy, uh, you know, lifestyles. And the results are right in front of us, right? I mean, we lack our immune system is basically because it starts from the core that is our food. Uh, in my research, I realized that how ignorant we are, that we earn so much and we run around and we make our life all about, you know, making a living, you know, building a house and getting married and having children and one after the other and then getting them married, you know, it's, it's a vicious cycle. In that cycle, we just forget that, uh, hey, you know, whatever I'm earning, I'm actually bringing poison onto my plate and I'm paying for it. You know, that that kind of uh, bothered me, you know, bothered me to that extent that, uh, well, I can't be such a fool. Uh, you know, when you are awakened, you rather take a step. And, and in my research, I found that, you know, the most of the diseases that are caused today is just because of the food that we consume without even checking what it is and how the labels come. It's organic, non-organic or, you know, the pretty labels on the soup, you know, and uh, uh, the ease of life that we have gotten into where, you know, everything comes onto your, your app and you just order them without checking where it is grown, what it is grown. You don't know your food source, you know. That's when, uh, you know, in, in all of my research, this was very evident that uh, we don't care and um, a mindset need to be changed and there would need to be a voice. And uh, agriculture is not an industry where get rich quick kind of a scheme, but then there need to be people who can make the change and uh, bring that voice. And at the same time, people who are into agriculture can't be expected to do charity because it is a laborsome job. And uh, considering that, I believe that uh, people should be able to 
accept the fact to pay the right price to the farmer and not to the middleman. When you see these challenges, then I believe that there's an opportunity. And uh, that's the opportunity that I wanted to tap in. But what we found out is the most traditionally nourishing plant foods on the now have the lowest level of nutrients. You would be surprised the amount of uh, diseases that they cause from liver failure, urinary infections, bladder cancers, thyroid, stroke, obesity, autism. You know, I could go on and on. And unfortunately, these are not the diseases like COVID, which, you know, you come in contact with someone and you get it immediately. But these are the diseases which are more dangerous because it takes like about 10 to 15 years for it to actually reveal itself. And we are living, uh, you know, under the blanket that, yeah, it is fine. Nothing has happened to me for all these years. So I'll continue to eat. It'd be the same mm. thing. So yeah, in my research, this was very evident. And, uh, and after that, I didn't have think about it. And I, I just took the plunge. That's how it started. Uh, with that, uh, I had to have a plan, you know, literally a plan to uh, how to go about because, uh, uh, you know, all I had was my savings of 17 years that I worked, <laughs> you know, whatever I could save. Of course, I lived a very luxury uh, life. And then in that, whatever I could save is when I realized that uh, I can use that money to bootstrap my own company. And I know I was in the contemplation that should I get an investor? Should I do this? Then being in the corporate industry, it was not very hard to understand that once you have an investor, is going to dance on your head, uh, give him the returns, you know. The background that I come from and I don't understand agriculture, I have um, other max, mm-hmm. I would have watered the plants because my mom forced me to do so, <laughs> you know. All these were like very glaring facts in front of me that you know, a girl got to eat too. I cannot make a very uh, harsh decision on how to jump onto this. So I took a step by step and I, I put off my saving for one year uh, that I've said, okay, I'm going to live off this saving for a year. Plus I'm going to invest part of it to for me to educate myself before I get mm-hmm. into this field. So the first year I locked myself, you know, you can call a self-lockdown uh, for a year. My parents had this house, luckily, so I used the terrace and I uh, worked through a low-cost urban farming infrastructure. Compare in the market today, what a terrace gardening setup that uh, we do is one of the low-cost uh, infrastructure. If you compare to other big brands, they're at least four times more than what we charge. Uh, so I worked through the markets and uh, if you are from a Bangalore, then um, I walked into this Gujri, Shivaji Nagar, SP Road, and I got all my items because it all it was all mechanical right I mean I had to go find out for myself and then I set this agriculture setup in my uh, greenhouse basically on my terrace on 870 square feet and then um, for the one year I didn't think of PNL or how to make revenue or anything and I just wanted to educate myself so I learned the ropes you know basically you know I how to start the seed to grow the plant understand the life cycle of the plant the plant diseases and how to counterattack them without chemicals pesticides or chem, you know herbicides and everything so once that was done and I was confident then I just started reaching out to some portion of it to B2B markets and some portion to B2C because B2B was a very killing market which would not pay you much uh, so I tr- I started uh, doing some marketing and advertisements and went to B2C so that's how I kind of started and uh, uh, then went on adding different verticals to sustain myself so at least I can get some revenue because you can be sure that in 870 square feet of area of agriculture a girl will not be able to leave let alone feed her family. Very interesting Anne uh, but I really want to delve deep because uh, when you said that uh, you you loved yourself for a year and you wanted to learn everything and uh, 
you, you thought you'll invest a part of it on your venture. I am talking from a perspective of many uh, solo pruners who are just starting off a business. Mm-hmm. And they also I don't go through that or, you know, just they take six months mm-hmm. off or like a year or two. And they just want to go on with it. I want to know what made you tick and also what what kept you going? What was that one thing which kept you going each day throughout the year? Uh, there was a zeal and passion, which I still have. I love what I'm doing. And uh, so it was same with aviation, right? I really loved mm-hmm. what I was doing and there was no stopping. Uh, so that's my personality, basically. So, you know, started uh, aviation when they when we were handwriting tickets, okay? And we were doing, taking the books and calculating the mileages by hand. And uh, I was the one who converted them into, uh, you know, electronic tickettings. And that was my project. So I, I know I started from a very low, it was not like, you know, funded by parents or anything like that, that it was, uh, you know, came from a very grassroots level. So uh, starting something again, never scared me. It is, you know, uh, what is going to happen at the max? I have 17 yeah. years of experience. If it doesn't work, I don't have an ego there. I can say it didn't work. I'm going to go back job back, you know, and I'm still prepared for it. If it doesn't work anytime, it's okay. But then I wanted to give it a try. That was a zeal that kept me going. The second thing that uh, actually uh, triggered me was that agriculture industry is a very uh, male-dominated industry. We have a patriarchal society, but then agriculture is very male-dominated. And everyone who would come and visit my terrace over the days, uh, because it was one of the kinds, and uh, we were featured in many medias and articles because, uh, you know, you're a woman and all that kind of jazz that they put up uh, the story on and they, uh, you know, they did that. So most of the men who would walk into my terrace, they would ask me this question, which was, um, is this your hobby? Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, like, at one point, I stopped even telling them that this is a business or a hobby. There is this misconception in, in our upbringing or in our business arena that uh, if you run a business, it has to make crores of revenue, if not lakhs. Right. And yeah. my, my whole point being, if you start a business, if any one of us starts a business, it is for freedom, freedom of lifestyle, freedom of time, freedom of how much you want to earn. And if, if I think I made the amount that I wanted to make in this month, then I need don't get to work. I can stop the buck there and chill out. Right. That's the reason yeah. you're getting into the business. So this male thing is all about numbers. Right. How much is your turnover? How much is the revenue? But I thought the women work differently. And uh, I wanted to bring that aspect that women work for passion and they're very happy when uh, they're even able to double the revenue of what they have invested. And I was only looking at that. You know, I just wanted a sustainable, conscious lifestyle where I know that I can provide, I can support myself and my family, not to the extent that they are living a meager life but then you know to a decent life and uh, all these kind of questions and this um oh you cannot do it i heard a lot of that and uh, or you should have done this parallelly with your uh, work and i'm like come on dude even agriculture and aviation uh, you must be kidding me you know you need to have your focus uh, at one place to be able to even do something sustainable and potential um, to grow. So these all things, you know, it fueled my fire, it <laughs> literally, you know, it's like, yeah, and that's what kept me going. And uh, to that extent, even my parents, you know, <laughs> you know, they were like, you must be nuts. Um, you were earning so much and you're now struggling for everything, you know. So you, you get this constant thing. And uh, I made sure that I had a wall around me and I can still go and get it and uh, do it. Yeah, that's, that's the whole thing, you know, kept me going. <laughs> Wonderful. And I mean, I can so resonate with what you said, uh, you know, pertaining to there are a lot of questions. I mean, 
uh, either from your relatives, your parents or your friends and people like, you know, as you mentioned, I have also, you know, got this question. Is it an hobby? Uh, don't worry, I want to actually slap them. Is it like, <laughs> I'm not a feminist, okay? I believe in equal. Uh, and when I say women and men, I mean that there is a difference. And I want to just point that out. And then if a man starts a Kirana store uh, in a 500 SFT, nobody asks him if it is a hobby. Yes. Why do you yes. ask a woman like that question? Totally. I also resonate with what you said that it is the journey that matters because it's it may not be for, uh, you know, the end result or making a lot of money from it. But it's just the, the fact that, yes, I mean, I'm starting, I'm exploring something new and it's the liberating factor which comes into picture. Absolutely. You know, our education system makes us like a robot that you need to earn this much money in order to live this kind of life. And that was always a questionable factor to me because, um, you know, in aviation industry, I, I'm not even a graduate, okay, <laughs> honestly speaking. So I, I learned the job on the ropes and I decided where I want to learn. And that's where I got into, you know, the cliche thing of uh, how you have to live your life and how they paint the picture for you and you have to fit into that frame. I always wanted to break that frame and I guess I'm a rebel by nature and it doesn't serve me good all the time. You trust me, you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I do fall on flat on my face sometimes, but then I have the zeal to dust off and get up and go. And I, I hope the universe keeps supporting me that way to keep going, you know, irrespective of what it is. Uh, in a very humble way, I'm not saying that I'm great or anything. Absolutely. There is more to life. And uh, I think one thing is, of course, exploring yourself mm -hmm. to begin with and also exploring the other things which you can do. And no, a degree is not required at all. It is not. It is not. And the, none of the education so far has taught me how to communicate, uh, how to behave, yeah. um, you know, how to take on life. It is only my job experience on the field, in the field experience that has, uh, you know, gotten us this far. And that is true for everyone is just that we don't yes. want to accept it because uh, uh, there is a big bureaucracy forum that preaches that you need to have this degree so true and i'm so amazing that you you know got on doing it and doing it so amazingly well thank you all right i want to know what was the point when you thought that um, that you can make this a growing business what was that point or when did you decide to take this on further right from the day i quit my job yeah, it was never a fun thing or I was sure of one thing that uh, if nothing from this business, I can run my family. And that was sustainability for me. If I can achieve that, then, um, you know, the next step is always easier. So when uh, the first year when I learned the ropes and I understood that most of them in the market do not know A of agriculture, they just have enough deep pockets um, to be able to fund and get labors and get them work and going. Um, but uh, people who are into this business, they're very handful of people who understand the, the life cycle and the biological cycle of the plants and uh, how it hurts the human being and everything. You know, they, you know, the whole crux of it. I, I always believe that once you acquire the knowledge, then there is no stopping. And that's when the first year I wanted to dedicate myself to be able to acquire that knowledge. And uh, the first year when I realized that I can do this, I understand the chemistry of it. Then uh, that's when I started actually thinking of scaling and, uh, you know, adding uh, different verticals to sustain because I knew in 870 square feet of area, whatever I'm growing will not be able to sustain me um, for a longer time. So that's when I started strategizing on how I can sustain in this business. And, you know, I opened up myself for multiple verticals. Uh, 
uh, gladly I, I have a decent communication skills and uh, I love teaching. So I opened up to teaching, uh, consulting. So right then I got an opportunity from Ministry of Small and Medium uh, Enterprises uh, the central government to teach hydroponic and organic farming for South India. So I do that every two months. Uh, you know, in, in the COVID time, we've been doing online, uh, but otherwise, I used to travel across South India and train uh, potential farmers or people who are interested in getting into farming business or existing farmers would come for this training. And uh, that was one source of income that I could generate. And in teaching, I uh, I also uh, opened up to schools so that uh, bring this to children because. Um, if you can understand agriculture, if agriculture is, uh, you know, exposed for children in the early age in schools, they, it's very easy for them to learn uh, science uh, and mathematics because it's very practical. Uh, the counts, how much, to, how much to sow, how much to harvest, how much does it cost. There's the whole chemistry of, you know, what works with nitrogen. Since I teach in schools, um, if I ask a 10th grader or a 9th grader, do you understand what is pH value? I'm very ashamed that they don't know what is pH. Okay, uh, These are something basics that should have come in and you know that they are exposed. They, they don't have a knowledge of it. But how will they remember pH when they're not exposed to it practically? It's impossible. And I know from the education background myself that I wouldn't understand pH if somebody had asked me in uh, 10th standard. But yeah. So that was one of the verticals and I enjoy working with kids. So we built a lot of edible gardens with, for the kids in the school. And then we uh, weekly once, uh, you know, we work with the kids and we uh, apply this uh, STEM methodology where, um, uh, you know, there is uh, science and technology and mathematics and, you know, everything involved. And we kind of map them to how the life cycle and everything. So they enjoy that uh, non-blackboard class, you know. <laughs> <laughs> super fun that they they're able to play in the mud because today's parents don't allow their children to play in mud they're locked in the apartments and uh, you know beta karo, and that's how their immune systems are dying we all played in mud and that's why i believe my immune system is stronger yeah that was one vertical that i started and then i realized that that's also not going to be enough uh, because uh, getting b2c customers and is not very easy and uh, they're not repetitious you know um, you know you could get today a bumper lottery and maybe tomorrow you're just not making anything and so in that sense uh, we started exploring on uh, uh, leasing out lands and putting my hands into organic farming and mm. converting the farmers who are doing chemical farming uh, by sharing our profits with them and using their land uh, because I basically didn't have money, right? <laughs> Whatever I had, I had to work with. Yes. Um, so, and then we are now trying to sell their produce and share the profit with them. So that's another vertical from 800 square, 70 square feet. Now we have gone to like about quarter acre of land, uh, you know, and, uh, but that still doesn't, uh, doesn't really cut out. Uh, simply because you know the consumer mindset is very very different in our country. They would rather pay for an iPhone. They would not pay for the you know natural farming or organic farming and uh, can't blame the consumer also for them there's no way to know which is organic and which is not organic you know pretty labels uh, speak to them and every vertical that we had some challenges but we still started opening many verticals and uh, the one of the uh, profitable vertical that uh, that helped me out was consulting for other existing farmers to uh, be able to 
grow in a more organic and natural farming way and hydroponics especially because hydroponics is the future of urban farming and that kind of helped me to sustain so we had this education consulting and also doing farming and then my uh, recent uh, vertical is you know my value add product from what i grow from my 870 square feet to convert them into a value add product that is my salads uh, i have a club kitchen now uh, so we uh, uh, now i don't sell them to anybody and i use them in my kitchen and i turn them into a really tasty Uh, vegan and non-vegan uh, salad absolutely zero preservatives right from the seed till the time even it is packed it is biodegradable packages and very consciously done um so i'm um, crossing my fingers to get this going and scale this uh, vertical so that uh, you know i can um, get to that sustainable life uh, that we are talking about wonderful i think there is quite some variety out there with uh... the verticals that you've explored and um, and as you said there are of course some certain challenges which do come by and since you mentioned uh, hydroponics so could you tell us about hydroponics um, for a layman like me i know there's uh, different ways of methods to farm like on a small scale and there's the ponics aspect to it there could be aeroponics or hydroponics which i uh, want you to talk about so could you elaborate on that like how does it work probably after that you could also let us know that how can one start a farm on the terrace ponics is a latin word hydro means water and ponics is effort so it's water effort basically so i know the moment you say hydroponics when i started in 2017 i had this red flag bearers uh, so called self claimed organic growers who would call that this is chemical way of growing because that's a ignorance of you know you're not understanding the science right so hydroponics exists you know right from the egyptian time you know there's babylon garden the our the rice field is natural hydroponics lotus is natural hydroponics basically it, uh, it is the algae and that has a nitrogen composition in it and that's what the plant feeds on and they grow right uh, so that is for a vegetative growth where it is only a leafy green and it doesn't flower and fruit uh, so there are you know ways to grow different different crops based on what kind of crop it is and what you're trying to achieve hydroponics is um, it's basically science of growing plants right i mean uh, if it's chemical or not chemical to answer that question if a mother cannot breastfeed her child today the hospitals uh, provide them with the uh, you know powdered milk now do you call that chemical or is it called that organic can you label it anything no you cannot label them anything it is just a substitute but then it is not harmful to your baby what we use in hydroponics is uh, we call them salts or minerals or nutrients that are dissolved in water we eat rice plant eat on ions right i mean the atoms or molecules that's what they feed on now if you give dung cow dung to your plant they will break down into the lowest possible element and then they will feed on it and that is the lowest possible element for a grass is nitrogen right and the the cow dung is broken down to nitrogen and that's the work of the root and then it transports the food to the leaves and then the you know food production happens in hydroponics what we do is essentially a plant needs about 16 elements to grow and these 16 elements are you know uh, mixed in the in the formula that each crop is needed you know it is basically decided on the kind of crop and it is mixed in water and it given to them so the work of the roots which has to break down the element is cut short and uh, any plants that grow in this environment grows in a very cushy environment because the, their job is reduced and the growth is faster when i say hydroponics i'm i'm not propagating that hydroponics should be the only way to go hydroponic is a substitute for urban urbanness right 
Um, hydroponic is a for place where there is a short of water, there is no arable land anymore. Um, it reduces carbon print where you have to get your everyday vegetables from somewhere outside. So there is a conscious decision here also to make because, uh, uh, you know, in, in this, the corporates and the big uh, uh, giants and the governments have to come and, you know, also classify this, how much of it can be done in hydroponics and what like your millets and crops, uh, you know, all those have to be grown in uh, in the field. Um, so that they, they have a long, a long uh, self life, right? These millets and crops and everything where the farmers can't lose, but at least the vegetables can be grown in urban areas in your terraces in your balconies uh, in uh, most of the plots that you have which are unused so you help the nature in a different way where uh, you know you're making your city self-sustainable so that is uh, basically why hydroponics is used 2017 to 2020 now everybody knows about hydroponics when i started hardly anyone knew and whoever knew it they would talk that it is chemical there was also a very thin line between overdoing this and uh, you know protecting our environment because the residue of that water cannot go into our ground uh, because then you would again repeat the cycle which we are trying to preach about organic farming that we are going to do so as long as you're uh, reusing your water and you're not uh, you know spilling them into the ground and wastage and everything then hydroponics is a beautiful uh, you know substitute for humankind to be used and uh, uh, we use only one tenth of the water compared to the uh, natural or organic farming in hydroponics because we reuse most of the water and the production cycle is com comparatively faster and I believe they should be used in cities. Um, and it is it is healthy. I've got my producers tested and uh, they have not been come out with any kind of chemicals or anything because I believe in conscious living. So I took those first steps of, you know, checking myself. Is it edible? Can I give it to my customers and stuff like that? And the whole world is doing this. And it's just that it is required that we draw a balance between hydroponic and natural farming. And people don't just make everything about hydroponics or aquaponics aeroponics you know. um, and uh, can anyone start this uh, terrace farming absolutely i i would highly recommend housewives elderly people to start this uh, if not for business just to keep them away from soap operas and the gossips you know you are engaged <laughs> in a way you know in a hundred sft area you can have everyday harvest of assorted vegetables of two kilos Okay, in hydroponics, which is sufficient for a family. And imagine if you're spending 500 rupees a week on vegetables and you multiply that into four weeks and then 12 months, it's a big saving, you know. Uh, it, it might be a first time uh, CapEx investment on your uh, making sure that you have a greenhouse where you can uh, grow and produce 365 days because they need a certain kind of environment to thrive and sustain and produce. Um, but it, it is a sustainable investment. I believe um, when our parents used to say that, you know, start earning and build a house, you know, and I, I want to <laughs> preach today that uh, if you have a place, but please, you know, grow your own food. Uh, it is so important that uh, your kids, your family knows where your food comes from and how hard it is to grow. No, irrespective of you do it in hydroponic or natural farming, it isn't an easy task, uh, you know. I think it's it's also a bonding and uh, you know instead of kids being on phones it's it's a good thing when they have something to do in the terrace when they will get engaged because today's parents don't have so much energy to spend time with the kids all the time you know they they hand them over the phone and they say you know um, you know you watch your thing so you give them something to be active, to be engaged and to learn something from what they are doing. So uh, there are multiple benefits of doing this. Uh, it's just not about um, 
you know you're making money and that you definitely you can make money like i said you you could you could sell to your neighbors whatever you're growing they would happy to buy from you because they would know the source it's all about reaching out and doing the right marketing for a, for not two months and then you will be able to sell what you're grown and also use in your house and bond with your children and you know what about elderly who are lost their partners and they're so lonely you know our country does not have any uh, such uh, engagement programs where they are brought out and they can go out and do these are some kind of engagement factors for them which they can spend time with and uh, it is also very satisfying gratifying and um, it makes you very happy and uh, you know you live a good life i mean um, just because you're old you don't have to die in sorrow you know so Yes, so it has multiple benefits, and it is just that people have to think out of the box and not make everything about money. And I'm not saying you should not make money. <laughs> yes, I mean, I mean, get what you say. Uh, you know, that reminds me of this, uh, you know, particular book uh, which I read was uh, Ikigai, and uh, just want to uh, tell you that uh, uh, the Japanese people who live for like more than hundred years. Mm-hmm. And uh, they actually have this conscious living into their lifestyle and uh, where they have their own, the home farm, where they grow their vegetables and fruits. And that's what keeps them grounded and also in touch with health. And that is one of the things which the scientists have come about or researched about that, you know, that is what keeps them going for a longer duration of time. And that's how they're, you know, able to live more than 100 years. So just wanted to bring this, um, you know, point makes a whole lot of difference for um, the children today to you know invest a little time not more much you know just you know just do something you know just be interested in how this plant is going and just you know put in your hands in the mud and play with it it matters a whole lot absolutely i challenge you to ask forget the kids any adult who is in any kind of corporate or any other job if you ask them um have you ever seen where the rice comes from you know how the rice is made you know um you know what is semolina how is semolina or rava made these are basic things right and we are not taught about this in school and we don't have to think about it because it comes packed and it is available for you but this is the basic it is really really basic and uh, somehow uh, we have been fine tuned to not ignore the basic basic things of life and um, and that's the change that i want to bring that when people become conscious of the basic things in life then everything falls in place but then yes there is going to be this choices of uh, uh, luxurious life versus sustainable and conscious life and then there's a very thin line between uh, when you know luxury and sustainable life because you don't know when the luxury becomes actually a sustainable life in your perspective <laughs> you know having a car for some is a luxury but then for some it is uh, you know necessity so uh, but when you work with nature you know nature teaches you that. yes absolutely i think nature is the perfect teacher <laughs> we all need to learn from we're getting uh, into the business aspect of it you said anyone can start you know the small farm probably if you have a space probably in your balcony or your terrace or any arable land as well uh, but i want to know like uh, let's take for instance that someone wants to set up an hydroponic on probably their terrace if you can just give us some idea about how much investment would they have to like put in or or what are the requirements pertaining to the infrastructure required and you also mentioned uh, about uh, uh, the nutrient solution which is part of hydroponics uh, method of farming is this something like i have to like buy from elsewhere or is it something that i prepare at home uh, so if you could give us an idea about the require what are the requirements and what is the infrastructure needed and 
how do I prepare this hydroponic solution? See, you can do hydroponics on your terrace or even natural farming or organic farming. It doesn't matter without an infrastructure. But if you don't have an infrastructure, uh, you might not be able to produce during heavy summers, uh, rain, and you know during those extreme conditions. And uh, um, I'm me, a true Bangalorean born and brought up here, so my parents and everyone, uh, we have seen the weather change uh, drastically every six months now, you know, and this is November. Believe me, you, I have never seen Bangalore at this uh, scorching heat in November. It used to be like really cold and uh, now it has changed. So probably with the conditions, uh, we might not be able to grow everything and the plant won't sustain that change in uh, unpredictable weather. So uh, that is why you need a greenhouse. So greenhouse, I call it as an intensive care unit for the plants. Um, so a greenhouse basically means that um, you're providing them with an environment where they can grow. That means that you're controlling the temperature, you're controlling how much of rainwater can fall in or not fall in and um, you know the insects and the pest so you're you're guarding the plants to the maximum extent in a greenhouse and and that doesn't mean that after that the pest won't come in it's an ecosystem so you have to manage and there are certain processes that you have to do so in greenhouse there are multiple ways that you can do people do it in green shade net and do it with insect net you can do it with um, polyfilms and everything so uh, but for a terrace farmer you can just do it with um a green shade net or an insect net or, uh, you know, OptiNet. There are different kind of nets. Basically, all, all these do is they come with certain, you know, percentage of sunlight they allow inside and they cut off certain sun, uh, you know, sunlight and it's polyfilms and everything. They cut off the UV rays so that it is not too harmful for the plant. And, uh, you know, you have different kind of these uh, nets and gears and tools that you can work with to be able to produce 365 days. Now, if you want to produce 365 days and you want to have uh, uh, infrastructure, at the bare minimum, it should cost you anything between 250 to 300 rupees per square feet of area. Okay, uh, that's the max that it should cost you. That is, I'm talking 250 to 300, uh, inclusive of everything, like including your plants and grow bags and nutrient, your water, your drip irrigation and everything, except for if you want to line up your stands and you keep your area, that's something extra. But then the basic thing can be done within 250 to 300 rupees per square feet. So anybody who can spend about a lakh and a half to two, they can for life yield produce, which you can cut down on your vegetables cost from outside. Um, and, and I don't believe that's a bad investment at all. And um, nutrients. See, our market is such that India has a thought for everything. <laughs> So anything that is good, you will also find uh, A grade, B grade, C grade kind of a version. So you have okay. to be, you have to ensure that you're buying a technical A grade nutrient or salt. Okay, there are many grades that come into this which are not to be used in your food for the plant's food. So there is also a technical grade and uh, it is called technical A grade nutrients that you have to buy. You have to ensure that, that it is and so that uh, you're not again top of it adding chemicals and um, these salts. See, basically these salts all come from the nature, right? Uh, you know, the moisture, the nature and it is not that something human has created. But in that there is a grade quality to process them and you remove the nonsense that is not needed and it is basically chemistry, right? Uh, like I said, there are 16 elements. So these 16 elements need to be mixed in a certain proportion. For example, okay. a boron for a plant is needed at, you know, maybe 0 0.001 mg. 
okay uh, but the nitrogen is needed at the largest level so they divided into primary secondary and trace elements so based okay. on that composition um, you know there are you know people in the market who make this compositions and then you can buy them based on that you can buy it from online or there are many sources um, but then don't just don't go and buy because it is cheap because you're again getting into the bad habit of um, you know you know getting into chemicals again um, so these nutrients um, you get them in powdered form you get them in liquid form and uh, it comes with a label of instruction just like your pharmaceuticals company give you an instruction how much to use what to use it depends on the vendor on their composition because it is chemistry so you have to follow those instructions and uh, the powdered form costs you cheaper the liquid form is a little expensive because it is already in a mixed form and you just have to uh, you know add it into your water every day yeah and you can also do hydroponic in organic way like you can uh, make panchagavya panchagavya also can be used but then the problem with it is that you need to be able to make them in such volume because you know you have to collect the dung and you have to uh, you know it's uh, it's probably not sustainable unless you have dedicated a uh, you know acres of land to just to do this job you know you can also use organic composition to make a hydroponic um, so that also gives you this npk value the 16 elements but then um, the best is to buy the technical a grade nutrients from the market uh wonderful i mean that's that's what's quite some information out there i think i uh went through your website which also talks about that you consult or you tell people like you know how do you put this or you have a team who helps people to you know lay out a farm on their terrace what all do you do for you know if someone is interested and uh, i don't know what to do and where to get the things so how would you tell someone or what what does your team do uh with in these aspects i'm also concentrating lot on people live in apartments and they have a small tiny balconies so um there is you can grow your leafy herbs in something called as nft channels um and that nutrient film technique uh so you can grow them in your pvc pipes you know you just have to get a little innovative and then so we get them hung on their grills wherever the sunlight is exposed so we so what we do is uh, If somebody wants to grow something we ask them to send the picture and the measurement and dimensions of that area and uh, based on that we uh, design and send them the quotation and how what can be done and what cannot be done so we have different kind of customers obviously there are some customers who don't want to spend anything but they want to grow in what they have existing so we tell them what they can do and we just consult them and some customers want to install this hydroponic unit so we make the hydroponic units for them and very low cost and we go and fit it for them and then we do monthly maintenance uh, with them and we send the nutrients and uh, we check the health of the plants and there are a couple of customers who grow their produce and they, every week they also order saplings from us and uh, we fit them up and there are other customers who want to go full fledged on their terraces and uh, you know they want to grow for themselves and their neighbors or family extended family members they want to share their produce especially kids um, you know they are like uh, uh, they are very excited it's, it's just a matter of parents supporting them and investing into that instead of a gadget uh, and i think they would do a lot for their children because um, they will work with nature and they'll be the most strongest you know a personality that they would turn out into um, we work with kids and when they are growing in the terrace we uh, explain them the infrastructure how the light works you know how the photosynthesis happen and uh, we make them uh, pollinate there are female flowers male flowers you know they don't understand all this so they were they're all surprised and so we work with them like that and um, uh, right from 
the infrastructure to design to execution to consulting we don't just in, in, install and then say tata bye bye you know we try to be with them and then take that course with them and uh, make sure that they're enjoying their produce and, that, and, and during pest infestations what can be done how you can organically protect them uh, by using different stuffs like neem spray garlic spray which is available in your house every time right. and uh, how to work with chemistry and biology and how a plant can itself protect another plant uh, you know so all these kind of things we we do with our customers and that's what they love because uh, uh, it's not like a one time zip it and you're done so yeah so we do everything uh, right from start to the end yeah and sometimes they want to sell their produce to us and then uh, if we have uh, uh, the demand then we pick it up from them and uh, sell for them and then uh, you know share the profit with them oh wow for anyone who's listening to this and uh, who want to grow their own little farms on their terrace or balcony i think you should reach out to ann evan on my earth probably you can look out into their linkedin or facebook or uh, instagram as yes. well right thank you so ann i want to know You've spoken about farming as well. I know you do have your hydroponics farm on your terrace, but there is also natural farming that you do. Uh so could you tell us more about that and also I want you to let us know what is the future of urban farming in India? Okay. I'll take that second question first. Um see the UN report about um, 2015 or 2016 says that 80% of the population is going to move to urban areas uh, because of lack of infrastructure or the economy wise uh, the ease of job to urban areas leaving their uh, you know villages we already see that infestation you know in bangalore we okay, lucky for covid bangalore was a little calm and nice people have gone to their own places <laughs> but then but then this is not this is just a temporary phase now everybody are going to come back because it's not going to be like this otherwise people can't run their houses so given that that 80% of the population is going to live in urban areas who is going to produce your vegetables where are you going to get your source of vegetables from and if you're going to get it is going to be manufactured in lab like environment where they are sprayed with pesticides herbicide chemicals and because the game of agriculture is in volumes okay only if you produce in volumes only then you can uh, sustain and when the problem with this it is a catch 22 when you do in volumes you have no choice but to spray chemicals okay because uh, there will be so much of infestation otherwise the farmer will go into loss that's how the chemical industry came into picture that you know there is a certain percentage of chemicals that can be sprayed to avoid this pest but then the farmer gets greedy over the time because he doesn't get his price so if you tell him to put 0.5 ml he will end up putting 15 ml of the chemical so you know the overdose happens and he wants the growth to happen in 2 days he, he doesn't mind um, that the the produce is filled with chemical and if you go to any farmer who has been growing for a long time he will have a separate patch of land which he grows for his family and something it goes out for the market it's not that the farmers are any naive or they don't understand and they don't know and this is the bs of our country and our agriculture industry they know everything it is just that they are not getting the price and what is he going to do when he is not able to run his family he's going to first think about his family and then that's how we all work right so given that you know this is how the agriculture is going to be in the future urban farming like people can grow their own food or you know there is an uh, area wise cluster where you know swan is growing and that it suffices for that area uh, using these ornamental parks and uh, you know unused school buildings and everything to be able to grow your produces and also reuse your water uh, i think this is the future this is the future of uh, you know sustainable food and uh, people connecting with food and you know reusing things that have we are wasting and we will 
be not left with any choice but to grow our own food because in in cases of lockdown where we had this 3 to 4 months i didn't have to go and buy vegetables anywhere i was not worried you lock me down for 6 months i don't care because i have everything under my roof you know i have a home i have my vegetables i have everything but you think these kind of issues are not going to increase it is only going to increase the considering the amount of animal violence that we do uh, you know and uh, it is it is going to come back to us it is a karma that is going to hit us so and so that's why i say yes urban farming is the future of agriculture and um, it's only going to grow and whoever gets into this right now is going to make uh, sustainable money and also have a good health and life in the future uh, you know that's what i want to say and coming to natural farming and organic farming um so this was another experiment uh, because for one year i locked myself and i understood the life cycle of how to work with hydroponics but then it is no different once you understand how the plants work right uh, they need a certain proportion of elements and then you can provide them either it can be from the soil directly or it you can mix them in water and give it to them now how do farmers make profit so what we're trying to do is we are applying this multi-layer crop system so basically in one single bed i'm trying to grow multiple crops which is going to fix the element that is missing taken up too much by one one other plant so for example leafy greens need more of nitrogen so they leave a residue of nitrogen and that nitrogen is used by the root plants like your carrots and beetroots and uh, ginger turmeric etc so we have something growing under and we have something growing on the surface and then we have something growing to the you know mid level like your tomatoes or bush beans and stuff like that and then we have creepers so you can do about anything between 2 to 4 5 crops in one single bed which increases the yield of the farmer variety that he can provide to the market and uh, of course uh, you know naturally fixing the element that one plant is using and the other plant is there you know so the fixation of the uh, you know the chemicals happen when i say chemicals uh, it is you know it is the nutrient uh, i'm talking about like nitrogen phosphorus uh, potassium so um, i should refrain myself from using that word and <laughs> people confused so this multi layer cropping has been in one uh, great learning and i have thoroughly enjoyed working on the field and uh, we started this in um, august and uh, we've been very successful so we um, harvested about 10 kilos of radish and 10 kilos of turnips and we do every week uh, uh, at least 3 kilos of palak and uh, we have carrots coming up uh, so this is just in like about 6000 square feet of area that we are able to do this much and lots of gourds and pumpkins and stuff like that so see it is not that the systems are new this has been there from age old times in ancient times uh, people have uh, claim them to be their own uh, way of doing like it could be zpnf spnf or akash chaurasia model uh, whatever you want to name it you want to label it you can label it but these are the methods that you can use um to increase your yield and your revenue of course and also to um, go back to nature and uh, you know not um, feed the soil with chemical and uh, we make a lot of our own um, fertilizers like we make the panchagavya we make our uh, jivamruta we also do our pesticides and herbicides like dashparni dashparni uh, means that it is a concoction of 10 leaves so basically and these are the leaves that have medicinal values uh, and uh, we uh, make a concoction of them it takes about uh, uh, 30 40 days for it to be prepared um, and that is what we spray every 15 days and we also do neem astra and these kind of elements that we make and we Uh, we spray them to the plants basically natural farming means that 
you don't have to get anything outside from your land and purchase anything and input to your land everything that you need is given by your desi cow and uh, you can make everything and grow everything and you make your concoction your fertilizer your pesticides your herbicides uh, anything that you want you can prepare from them and uh, the leaves that fall off the foliage the old leaves that fall off that becomes your compost so everything that the land gives and the land wastes is part of your growing pattern so there is no way that an and and a farmer can go into loss if he if he is using all these uh, things that are available for him in the land and that's what we are trying to teach the farmers so we have converted one piece of land in uh, in the forest area of ragihalli mm-hmm. to a multi layer farming and we're very very proud of it and uh, we are trying to grow this in uh, and uh, teach many other farmers and get them accustomed to do this kind of because we don't want the forest to be ruined that's what natural farming and uh, you know urban farming is all about <laughs> wonderful let me get this straight so anyone who's interested in natural farming as well can could also reach out to your team yes 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 we so we consult them how to do go about this and uh, right from the infrastructure you need some basic infrastructure so that uh, Uh, it sustains you for 5 6 years so we consult them we execute them uh, we walk them through we handhold them and we follow up with them every week uh, to see how it is going and uh, uh, we suggest them how to make uh, do their own concoction until the time they need us and they're self sufficient we tell them to work with us and after that they can go on their own way and we don't want to be burden on them but at the same time first this kind of consulting helps us to sustain our own business you know knowledge uh, i you know cannot be free all the time and uh, you know so so i'm trying to capitalize on that i think it was one thing to you know actually make your own farm and be sustainable yourself and there is another thing which you have tapped is um you know to spread this awareness about farming beat urban farming or you know pertaining to natural farming and it's it's very nice because you are actually making farmers out of each and every person so that they sustain themselves first and also help others in uh, providing uh, vegetables or fruits uh yes so that's wonderful thank you thank you and i also had this question and i think there was something which uh, i came across on your website something to do with volunteer week is, is it something as is, is it an opportunity where uh, you know someone can volunteer at your farm mm-hmm. yes uh, how does this work they can fill up that form and then um, let us know when they are available to volunteer at our terrace or at our natural farming sites and uh, the timings has to work because uh, yeah, the farming can happen early in the mornings and uh, harvesting or anything can happen in little forish because the mid noon time you cannot work in the farm it is just inhuman to do things so yeah so basically if they work work out with the timings that works for the plants it's not about we calling the shots it's about what the plant needs at what time yes. and if they are able to sacrifice that and uh, be part of it then we welcome them with open heart and uh, if they do a good job uh, their efforts are paid yes. but then it, it it is a little tough to find people who are able to do that but then yeah now and then we get some people to volunteer with us and it helps us because uh, indian business system is not organized for skilled laborers you know uh, and that's why startups don't survive in our country because there is no proper uh, labor laws around skilled laborers if they are skilled all they need is in an evening a quarter bottle <laughs> and yes. and uh, uh, they might not turn up after two days and uh, they can come after the third day and they say uh, you know my grandfather died and these all things happen in our uh, agriculture system so and plus that if they even get 500 rupees extra from the next 
door guy. They are ready to jump for that meager. Um, so, so we face all these problems. Uh, and uh, there is as much as I can get into the field and work myself. It's not possible by one person to do it. So we constantly need people who are willing to come and help us out and also learn the ropes. And uh, uh, and this is a good way if they want to start their own business, you know, instead of using our consulting, they can come and work with us and also get paid. Uh, and, if they're, and if they're not really looking for the money and they want to just learn that we are welcome to that as well. And we can teach them what we know and uh, they can go and start their farm. And uh, it helps us to uh, teach many other farmers and also to uh, sustain ourselves. Yeah. Uh, probably for the ones who are interested, but don't know where to start. I think it would be a wonderful opportunity to actually volunteer, learn from you and, uh, you know, actually implement and execute on the farm as to what needs to be done. And when you start something new, you're always lost. Like, where do I start from? What is the things that I need? And believe me, you, Shweta, this field is full of crooks, okay? <laughs> I'm sorry, but it is. It, that's, that's the state of agriculture because there are people like this involved. So even if I go to them and tell them, uh, like the farmer that I'm working with, I'm growing dill right now. And the dill size won't be as good as a size as a chemical grown dill, okay? He's so tempted. Just pray urea. And it'll, it'll grow in two days this long. <laughs> you know, so it's it's a cash 22 situation because at the end of the day, what you take home is what matters to most of the people. And since that is not organized, it's a very difficult um, state that we are in and uh, we are going to only ruin agriculture furthermore. So I think people like uh, small companies like us, like us who are doing this kind of great job who are, you know, with this preaching and also doing the job that is required and uh, who are interested in I please um, volunteer with us or volunteer with those other farms and uh, learn the ropes and understand that it is uh, what's it about what, knowing your food source is important and uh, if you can get to know that then everything changes for you in life uh, if nothing you will have a healthy life you know <laughs> yes absolutely I know you mentioned about um, you've just started a, a cloud kitchen and uh, all of that and you mentioned that it's it's vegan food organic food could you tell us how did that happen? And also, what is the kind of food that you offer uh, for people? So we have uh, about a fixed eight different menu items in our list. And uh, one is we have a vegan-based food and we have non-vegan food too. There are, includes your cheese and stuff like that. So everything that goes into the salad is grown in our farm, in our terrace. And uh, we harvest them every day. We take the fresh produce. It is not like yesterday's produce because a nutrition of an any vegetable is intact only about four to six hours from the time you harvest them. After that, you're just eating basically the namesake vegetable. Keeping that into mind, actually, when I started this in 2017, my idea was to start a salad restaurant uh, from the produce that I've grown because obviously uh, I needed to add a value, value add product to this um, uh, thing. Uh, but it took me three years to be able to understand the ropes, consistently grow because you can grow once, but then consistently growing the same crop over and over again without uh, delay or without any reasons and excuses, uh, you know, it took me that long. And now that I know that I can produce this consistently and I can take, harvest them every day and use in my salad. Uh, so basically, we don't add any preservatives. We make make our own dressings and uh, sauces uh, our, from the basil pesto sauce or it could be lentils, uh, you know, mustard sauce or tahini sauce. 
of all these and they have high nutrient value in them you just have one serving of this every night or in the morning or just for your lunch one time meal um, or even three days in a week um, it is good for you because you're taking carbohydrates your fiber your everything that you need and you, know, you cannot say that i no carb food no protein food no this know that food you need everything you need everything in a balanced manner and that can only be given through raw food you know we really we lightly toss them we use a lot of quinoa in our food to uh, fill their stomach and we also use couscous and uh, all the vegetables goes in like about 10 to 15 varieties of vegetables go in our salad and uh, none of the salad companies in and around bangalore had that many varieties of vegetables into the salad and the leafy greens are very fresh we had about four to five varieties of lettuces in that in it and plus quinoa and then we wanted to add something a uh, little filling to them so we make this quinoa cake and we make moong dal cake moong dal pesara to dosa i'm a south indian so you know um, i believe that south indian food is the most healthiest food uh, simply because we eat a lot of steamed food and we don't go for very oily uh, food and uh, and our sambar and everything have a mix of vegetables and uh, our sabjis and all are not deep fried we make uh, you know with um, what we call as palya so i'm infusing those good uh, habits of eating steamed food and raw food into the salad and uh, uh, making an indianized version because our palates indian palates seek uh, spice and masala less the masala but still the flavor is intact in our salads so people who are salad lovers and who go to gyms and you know who are into wellness and you know conscious living um, this is a great op- option and we are very priced at 199 to uh, 329 rupees for a large bowl and i think it's a very decent price today compared to you know whatever uh, junk we might eat like macdies and i'm sorry i'm calling out their names but then i think someone has to and then i don't <laughs> so if you're okay to spend that for your kids and later also on your medical insurance i would say uh, you know uh, no, this is a better option <laughs> Absolutely. I mean that's wonderful. There's quite a variety and um I think for those actually who are looking out for this kind of food, I think you should surely check it out. And I think I will check it out for sure. Thank you. <laughs> Thank do. you for that. And I know you mentioned conscious living. So I want you to uh let us know what is your perspective of conscious living? And I want you to tell us how has it changed your life? you know i can't say that i don't struggle today i still struggle today because you know uh, getting used to luxury is very very easy and uh, going backwards is uh, 100 times harder being in a business it always means that one day you're a queen and the other day you're zero because uh, the revenue keeps changing and based on that your lifestyle also changes so you have to decide on a life where you know you meet the means and i think once you get to understand that you you can make the decision that you have i'm going to make my life you know to meet the means and also enjoy my life while what i while i'm at it and i i truly have the faith that universe provides you uh, and um, you know when you set your mind on something and uh, and and the intentions are right everything comes to you uh, it might be not in your time but it comes to you and i have seen that miracles happen in, with me because, you know it's just not a story but then yes it is uh, it's a truth with me you know and uh, uh, conscious living um, is hard but then once you get into the practice of it like it's like you know somebody going to you know having a disciplined life yoga or meditation every day in the morning until you begin it's a problem but once you get the taste of it then you yourself get up and go and do it every day because you see the results and you see the effort of it 
and with conscious living you know my excess of shopping branded clothes uh, the gadgets and everything so i have the bare minimum so i need a phone i have a phone i need a car i have a car and uh, do i have to travel today using the car or can i skip and go in bus today those are my conscious choices that i make every day so uh, it's really not about saving money but then it is about how to utilize that energy uh, you know in 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 and around you know how much electricity you use how much water i use you know all these factors comes into your conscious living is for some time it's going to be hard I'm not going to lie but <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, but then you get used to it because uh, humans are very adaptable creatures right and uh, we we get used to it and and I'm not complaining I'm not complaining with the lifestyle that I have chosen I do have a good life and you know I get the vegetables that I'm growing and the food is served yeah that that's conscious living to be able to care for your nature care for your neighbors care for the what nature provides you and conserve them for our future children and we don't take up their life just because we want to enjoy our life so it's all put together how you start your day to uh, how you end your day the conscious living should be a factor uh, right from the food choice your clothes choice your living choice and uh, commuting choice everything <laughs> i think more people should try this out and also it should it should become a way of life is all i hope and and you know with agriculture um, i can't really be dressed i sometimes i miss dressing because that's a <laughs> yes. thing uh that also the kind of job you choose also makes you choose your lifestyle also right like i can be in my pjs and uh, you know just go to the field and work but then uh, sometimes the corporate work demands a little bit of uh, you know polished look you have to be conscious about where you're going what you're doing what is needed what is not needed what is that i want to achieve and um, as long as you're conscious about that fact i think you and me and everyone on this earth deserves to have a good life yes. you know we yes. don't have to struggle uh, we yes. don't have to feel that uh, pinch of not having something you know but with conscious living universe gives you without asking because your intentions are right so true i know i i can actually feel it absolutely it does um it's a matter of faith and patience and perseverance uh, and i think our uh, life on this earth is also about learning those things and evolving ourselves and see either you put yourself for a test or the universe puts you to So now you want to be kicked by someone else to get going, or you want to kick yourself and get going. You want to be on a self-start or not is the question. Yes. And I believe with the conscious living, it's very important that people towards meditation move towards yoga and get their life a bit perspective about what is needed and what is not needed, and uh, you know, living a wholesome life. Yeah, and, and it all starts with exploring oneself. Yeah and and the first step that I want to tell them even if you, even you're listening to this podcast is the first thing that you want to question is where does your food come from and what are you paying for if you just ask that question to yourself and you understand that all your tax money are being paid for the chemicals and you are one of the catalysts to you know encourage this and if you know a farmer you go to him and you pick yourself your produce and reduce his burden of him bringing to to your doorstep and if you can send set the time out and you can be conscious enough to be not selfish about uh, you know just your own time and need and i think you have answers for everything i think that's beautifully said and thank you for that i mean if there is anything uh, to say to the aspiring urban farmers what would you like to say aspiring urban farmers this is not a field for get rich quick 
kind of a scheme. If you want to be in urban farming, a few things like, uh, you know, if you want to be a doctor, know how to cut a person. So you'd learn the ropes and uh, spend some time with someone who knows it. Take some classes, courses, uh, experiment in your yard and uh, see if you can grow a few stuff by yourself and then uh, take it step by step. If you're ready and you're trying to take a plunge, it is always good to consult someone and uh, go ahead in this market who has been in there. Uh, I see that the aspiring farmers are ready to pay for materials. Like, uh, you know, if somebody says, hey, this costs this much, okay, okay, I'll pay and I'll get it because they're feeling that there's an exchange of material, but then they don't want to pay for knowledge. Mm. Um, but that is what is going to take you far. So you, it's just not us, but then there are a lot of other consulting people who do and they don't charge enough money. Get to them and talk to them and understand what is the need of the market which crops can be grown what can how you have to uh, change the crop rotation and uh, you know what's the market value of the crop how much can you grow and where can you sell all these are need, you know you need to have a research on that and um, you just can't go, go that with a blank head in your mind that you know i have this much money and i have this much land and i want to grow something grow something doesn't work um, so do your bit of research do your bit of consulting and if you find someone uh, worthy of pay them for their knowledge and you know hire them and use them and over the time because the agriculture is going to be the future of any country you know over the time um, you will make money and you will never be in a loss that that's a, that's a something that i have understood that um, uh, nature gives you back uh, if you're doing the right thing to the soil uh, it pays you back and uh, but don't be in a rush and don't expect like in a year i'm going to be karodpati and all and if you have those expectations you go find a different job or buy a lottery you know <laughs> your risks are pretty much the same but then uh, don't get into this field um, this is not for you I don't mean to discourage them, but then uh, we want as much as good doctors we need, we need good farmers with a clear intention. This is only for people who have clear conscience and, uh, you know, they, they want to live a sustainable life and happy with uh, what they're earning. But then I'm not saying you can't make money out of this place. You can make enough money. You just need a bit of planning and uh, you need to have execution in place, uh, planning and execution going hand in hand. And if you can do that, you can make money. But then with the right people, um, you know, and right knowledge. Yes, right people, right intention, first and foremost, and the right knowledge. Wonderful. I mean, that was just clear and crisp. Uh, so, Anne, I know we have spoken about conscious living and uh, yoga and meditation. I mean, considering, you know, the pandemic that we're in, uh, well-being is of utmost importance for anyone. So I want to know what do you do apart from work and uh, what is your workout routine like or what do you do? My workout routine has been um, disturbed because um, I go to the farm field in the morning and it is a bit of a laborious work. I, so I kind of skip my yoga sometimes. Uh, I don't do it on a regular basis, but I know that my body is getting the regular exercise and I bend and I carry things and do a lot of stuff. So but I compensate that by doing a lot of meditation. I can't go a day without meditation so I spend a lot of time um, my waking hours in meditation I start my day with meditation and yeah my routine is like whenever I'm confused whenever I have to make a decision I go into meditation so that's that's pretty much it uh, but uh, um, if I don't have a field work day and I find myself uh, you know I needing something then I, that's a day I explore on yoga working with nature that itself is a bone I mean thanks for that uh, Anne uh, so we get to the last section, uh, which I call the pruner spotlight section. 
so <laughs> I'm just going to run you through a few questions. It could be on the personal level or the professional level. So you could answer to me in a word or two or a couple of sentences. So it's it's left up to you. I think I know the answer to this already. But uh, <laughs> what is the one thing that motivates you to go about your day? Passion, I guess. It's undying passion for life, actually. Um, you know, it's not for agriculture. It's just not for aviation. But an undying passion for life. You have something to learn every day and you have something to give every day. And at the same time, something to take from the universe every day. And uh, yeah, that keeps me going. Wonderful. And Any person or book which inspires you or who inspires you? Autobiography of the Yogi. There is, um, I think, so many people are touched uh, by that book. And honestly, I haven't finished that book, okay? Because every time I read and I have to take a break and something happens drastically in my life. Uh, and then I, after I have attended to that, then I come back to it. And, and I believe books come to you for a reason and they touch your lives. And if you can uh, be the change that it has spoken to you, then uh, you, you are the miracle that you, you know, God made you on this earth. So yeah, that is one book. And, and um, that one book has literally kind of uh, makes me, uh, you know, wonder. It's like, can I get initiated like that? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Can I do a samadhi where I can choose when to go? Uh, can I, you know, that's kind of a question that I ha- always have. So, yeah, that that's a book. And uh, currently I'm reading a book. Um, this is called uh, Youth Power and the Power of Ideas. Uh, this is a book given by the Ramakrishna mm-hmm. Mission uh, uh, he runs that in Ragihalli where we are doing this farming. So he gave me this book. Um, so he uh, takes care of the 16 villages in and around and he wants them to go organic and uh, he does all that. So uh, there's a foreword by uh, Narayana Murthy in that. Uh, it's pretty interesting for um, children and youths, you know, um, and coming out of this robotic mindset of uh, education and doing something different. So, yeah, that's a book that I'm reading currently. Uh, it's interesting. Yes, I mean, I also like uh, the autobiography of a yogi. Uh, I think anyone and everyone should read that book with with no biases mind or no judgments. I think and and it's a very simplistic language. Uh, You don't need, you know, not heavy vocabulary used and uh, uh, very simple. And it is really the the questions that we have every day that is put forth there and to deal with. So, yes, um, that's a great book to read. And anybody who wants to be an urban farmer, please read that book. <laughs> oh, yes. I think that should be the first criteria. Okay, read that book and then come to me. <laughs> Hypothetically, if you turn out to be the richest person in the world tomorrow, what would you like to do? Or would you continue to do what you're already doing? I would continue to do what I'm doing and nothing will change except for that maybe, you know, I would up my standard of living a bit in a conscious yes. way where uh, I'll be happy that I don't have to struggle every day to, uh, you know, do the p <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, that's a big relief that I would have and apart from that everything would uh, stay the same and uh, I think the only thing that it would do me good is that the freedom of not being stuck in a place or watching someone and, you know, in a kind of the freedom of going away whenever you want to go away, you know, and that's the freedom that money would do to you. And uh, I, since I come from an aviation background, I, I travel and now I'm not able to travel so much. So, you know, and uh, that's the thing that uh, would make my life uh, so, so, so good. <laughs> 
be uh, happy to do much more and uh, where i'm consulting for a fee maybe i would want to do it for yeah. free yeah. Uh, you know and yeah that's that's how it would change uh, the whole life of uh, having more money <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> okay what is your idea of well being in business and personal life there's no difference between business and personal life or work or personal life according to me when people say you have to keep your personal life to personal and business to business how do you i mean it's like you should be uh, sociophonic to have two different faces in different places right i mean uh, so basically there is uh, nothing different i'm you, you just be yourself have the clear intention and uh, if you're working for a company uh, understand that they are trying hard to pay you money and they're paying you for the time and if you can utilize that time and give them the returns and you will always have more and if you are a business person then you understand that people working for you are looking up to you and uh, you also have to give them back you have an extra responsibility apart from earning for yourself and how is it different in your personal life you know you have your parents looking up to you you have your uh, you know all the people looking up to you and uh, it's just the same equation it's just that in one person maybe you are intimately connected and the other way you're just doing business but that means that you do your work and go back to your respective places so uh, as a individual as a person uh, nothing changes uh, you know it's just about how you are interacting and how you are engaging with people and uh, once that changes i guess um, the whole essence of living a conscious life and uh, you know doing what you like uh, and you can only like what you do when you're surrounding good right i mean uh, to beat business or beat family it doesn't matter if you have a family which is an unhealthy family uh, it also has a problem and all that is in your personality traits and yeah there's nothing different i'm just as i find it it is it has to be same except that your intimacy factor <laughs> changes you know what it just came to me like there's nothing like you know work life balance but when you say, said that okay you know what there's no distinction it's all the same and i'm so living in my life at that point in time where i've just realized you know what there's no this and that is just this you enjoy what you do you just do what needs to be done at that point in time it does not matter to me okay that i am giving this sufficient amount of time a, a particular block of time to work and then i give the other block of time to personal life no that does not work that's not work I mean how your mind doesn't switch off and switch on right i mean yes. if you if like you know you want to buy grocery for the home it is not a switched off thing in your head it is there but you have a dedicated time for it that you have set apart because somebody is paying for that 8 hours so you should not misuse that time to do your grocery shopping and so how do you separate these two things is just by time factor apart from that you are just the same person doing everything multitasking and women do it better oh <laughs> yes <laughs> Yeah, great, and I mean, I'm just so overjoyed that you said that, and um, you know, I can so truly resonate uh, with you on that. <laughs> okay, uh, what is your definition of success? Gratification. Even if I had millions of dollars, uh, or like the way I was earning uh, in aviation industry, mm-hmm. I had a very job, and I used to be paid to fly in business class and paid for in five star hotel and everything. that was not the gratification the gratification was creating an application which makes a customer's journey easy makes it digital and kick you know that that you get from creating something out of nothing and again agriculture is creating something out of nothing uh, you know uh, so that gratification once you have that gratification i guess uh, 
success should be equivalent to gratification and everything else uh, is a byproduct money is a byproduct uh, the materials that you buy from it is a byproduct and everything is a byproduct of your success but then um, if you don't have gratification then and i guess you're losing the whole thing <laughs> wow beautifully said and okay uh, so we come to the very last question uh, so what is one takeaway that you want to give the audience especially to those uh, aspiring budding entrepreneurs or solopreneurs or do actually want to you know leave a secure job and get to exploring themselves on a journey or or business that they always wanted to do so what do you want to say to them have a plan don't just jump into it because you heard someone saying you read a book and everything uh, you know have a plan uh, because at the end of the day you need to have a plan to sustain yourself to be able to achieve what you want to achieve so don't be uh, hasty about it do your research and keep some savings aside and if you think you are not very sure about managing that then for a while do double jobs you know set your business and also work along uh, that doesn't work for me because i'm a one uh, <laughs> you know i have to complete do it to do it uh, but if you can do it nothing like it and then I can do it now because now I know how to work in agriculture a little bit so I can take another job and that's always open but in the beginning probably uh, you know your focus and um, and what you're driven by and when you when I say a plan have a number in your head which is reachable I'll tell you this example right so uh, when I talk about scaling my salad business I want to go to like 25 to 50 orders per day to be able to sustain my uh, employees my kitchen equipments etc now when I speak to some male entrepreneurs they're right off the bat their question is do you want to scale to 100 and 200 per day is like dude let me get to 25 to 50 to even talk about 100 to 250 because that's how the male you know brain works and it's simply i'm not talking about male and female i'm telling how we are wired in uh, you know in this perspective so you have your number in your mind based on what you can achieve and based on uh, what is in your hands right i mean you cannot have this numbers based on okay see that business is doing so very well so i can have that number yes. it's not like that so you need to have a number that you want to achieve and go after it you know once you reach that number scaling is not a difficult task but then uh, have that number based on your own capabilities and not driven by the market um, not driven by the turnover of what uh, top 50 companies claim to be and everything so one needs to have their own smart goal like something specific measurable achievable relevant and time bound and yes perfect i mean thank you and thanks a lot for this uh, also uh, how can one reach out to you uh they can reach out through my website www.heavenonmyearth.com uh they can also email me on and.vinia at heavenonmyearth.com and they can call me on my number it's always published in all the website and i have my fb page uh, heaven on my earth i write a lot of blogs on them uh, and my journey is actually there so uh, you know they can read them through and uh, yeah that's that's how they can reach out to me beautiful and i will surely Uh, leave these links in the episode description. I think the one thing which really caught my eye was uh, the names that you have given to each of the pages. I think it was just so very uh, warm, uh, very down to earth. Uh, I think everyone should check out Anne's website, Heaven on My Earth. Please do check out website. Uh, came out after a meditation. Uh, it's nothing that I have created. Everything has a source, and that source is what I utilize to uh, depict what I want to achieve in life and what I'm trying to connect with. Aham Brahmasmi. Basically, the seven different course of life uh, that we go through. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much it.
Yes, I mean, thank you, Anne, again, for being out here um, and sharing your amazing and inspiring story. Uh, I'm sure your journey will help people live more consciously or at least take the step of, uh, you know, leading a beautiful and a conscious life. And I would like to uh, wish you all the best uh, for your future endeavors. May you uh, scale your business even more and reach out to more people and more we have <laughs> urban farmers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me and uh, taking this time out to uh, and thinking that I'm worthy of this interview. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, the people who are listening to this podcast, um, the one thing that you can do for people like us who are striving to make the change is uh, order from us and uh, so that we can do more and we can teach more farmers and turn them to be an organic farmer. So help us to sustain and if nothing, go to our, you know, and order your salads and uh, for your diet's sake. Uh, you know, and reach out to us. And uh, thank you for listening. And thank you for this time. Wonderful. Thank you so much again. Well, that was quite an episode. I learned a lot about urban farming. Uh, So let's look into the highlights of the episode. So we saw Anne's entrepreneurial journey from uh, aviation to farming. We looked into the art and size of hydroponics. The future of urban farming with respect to hydroponics or natural farming. And then we saw Anne's uh, various projects on agriculture, consulting, education, volunteering, cloud kitchen. And of course, the way to lead a conscious life. Thank you for joining me on this episode. If you liked the episode and felt this had some value, then please comment in the description section and also share the link with your friends. Likewise, you can comment on Instagram or take a screenshot of the episode and post it on Instagram stories. Don't forget to tag me at Shweta C. Krish. Invest in yourself as this is the best insurance you can have no matter what life throws at you. 